I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode is Sean Keaveney. Oh, I was so excited when I got the the nod that this was happening. Uh, obviously, been a long-time listener for Sean on his show on Six Music, and, and just a fan of Sean in general. Uh, I got to meet him many years ago. He came to the, the club night that Scroobius Pip and I run uh, in East London and, and come to DJ, and, uh, and he was a, a, a joy then, uh, and trust me, he's a joy on today's episode, and uh, you're in for a treat. Before we get on with that episode, a few thank yous. So firstly, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, and thanks to you lot for continuing to, to listen. And when you see me on the socials, give us a, a like, love, a share, a retweet, all that, all that stuff. So thank you. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then when you get to the end of today's Natter with Sean, go check out the back catalogue because there's some glorious episodes to listen to. You can hear me talking to Norman Cook. You can hear me talking to Tommy Lee of Motley Crew, Foo Fighters, Suede, Idols, Sleaford Mods, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgus, James Acaster, Ed Gamble. The list goes on. Go get stuck in. Have a rummage. Um, some of the guests that we talk about today have been guests on this podcast. So, yeah, have a little look when you get a minute because uh, I'm sure you'll find something that will tickle your fancy. Um also, if you'd like to support this podcast um, and get access to even more content, I have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Um, and if you go over there, then you can get access to little radio shows I've put together, video episodes, loads of episodes that have never been released to the, the general public before. And that's going to cost you 79p a month. That's it. So whatever that works out a week, what's that? 20 odd p about 20p a week that ain't too bad is it and uh and by doing that as well you you put some pennies in the pot of the podcast and so it's um much appreciated but you know we're still finding ourselves climbing out of a a great big mess so um i understand if pennies are tight so the best thing you can do if you can't get involved in the patreon just um do what i mentioned a minute ago give us a like love share or a retweet or just give your mate a nudge and go uh you like a bit of music, didn't you? Have a, have a little listen to this. And uh, yeah, anything like that, that'd be lovely. Anyway, that's enough um, chitter-chatter from me. Let's go and get some ace chat from today's guest. Please enjoy 
off the Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Sean Keaveney. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beat and track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Sean Keaveney, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. Thanks. I'm. Um, but that was a rote response. Am I good? He searches inside himself. <laughs> yeah, I think all things considered, I'm doing all right, really. Yeah. Well, it's all changed for you, isn't it? It is. It is. And I'm not really good with change as a general rule. You know, some people are like David Bowie, you know, some people, uh, or Madonna. Uh, sure. uh, I'm a little bit more Francis Rossi, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like three, completely. Three boards. I, I've been wearing these jeans for fucking 14 years now. Um, so, but it's a little, yeah, so in, in a sense, it's a little bit like uh, Francis Rossi joining Kraftwerk. Okay. Uh, you know, you, on Monday, Francis, you're joining Kraftwerk. Okay, uh, so sell the Telecaster. So it's been a bit like that recently. Uh, but with that comes, as well as the panic, comes a visceral thrill. Yeah. Are you are you are you like in this kind of like middle ground at the moment? Then like kind of obviously you you, you left six uh, week before last, I believe it was now, uh, and then. Are you in this kind of like you got a little bit of time to yourself before the next the next big thing start happening? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, uh, Stu, is that I don't there there isn't really a, a, a it's like the, the closest I can get. I'm all metaphors. I'm all these days, but the closest I can get to to describing it is it's like you. I'm building the bridge while I'm walking over the river, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there isn't really anything. I know that there's something <laughs> over the other side and I know that there's deep water underneath me. So I'm, I'm sort of clattering along at the moment, trying to work out what, what is going to replace six music, for instance, in, yeah. in, in, my, in my broadcast life, you know? So I have tentatively entered the waters of the podcast myself. Um, and I think somebody said to me the other week, cause I was going, Oh, bloody hell, you know, Obviously, everybody, we've all got a podcast these days. And they're like, but you have been broadcasting for 20 years. So I think you probably are, are all right to have a podcast. You know, it's kind of your job. And I, that made me feel a bit more comfortable. You know what I mean? I think, I think you got your stripes, mate. I think you're all right. I think you're welcomed <laughs> into the, uh, the podcasting universe. I think you, uh, you deserve to be here, mate. Well, what you, that's a good point. I mean, it, it, there, it is a community in and of itself, the podcast community isn't it have you found that how long have you been doing them 
Well, I've I, I stumbled into it. We mentioned before we pressed record that we, we met many years ago when you come and DJ for me and Pip. Um, and so I used to feature on Pip's monthly drunk casts and uh and then from that i just i've got no background in 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 doing this and but i quite like the kind of the diy punk ethos of podcasting that look just record it on your phone and put it out tomorrow if you want like i quite like that um and so i just fell into it but then something that i guess it helped that i'd been on pips and he's you know he's pretty much the pod father and uh and so it, it was quite nice that yeah, coming in off the, on, on you know on on his coattails meant that I, I found myself in this little kind of community quite quickly, and yeah, and it's just really nice. Like everybody seems really friendly. Everyone kind of goes on everyone else's podcasts, and yeah, it's quite nice. Okay, well, I, I feel excited about entering into it. Okay, yeah. and and I mean yours is yours is quite music based as well, isn't it? Yeah, I've got. It's called the lineup, and it's it's very. Um, it's 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 like a classic idea he says uh searching for the right words um you know along the lines of what you know who are your ultimate dinner party guests it's the same kind of question mm-hmm. so essentially i'm the festival genie we have a guest and i sort of create their perfect festival five acts living or dead and then everything else in between you know so it's like we go into the minutiae of what food when um you know where are we sleeping um is that Beyonce in the backstage area having uh, an arm wrestle with John Lennon you know we, we we sort of really try to flesh it out and create create the world in in, in the time we've got together and it's going yeah it's, it's good it's a good start it's going quite well so far so did that kind of come out of because a lot of them conversations I know with me and my mates that are all kind of music nerds and stuff like that, that's the sort of thing that if we're pissed down the pub, we you know, we're curating that ultimate festival, like, you know, who would you have on and stuff like that. Is that was it sort of bred out of them kind of conversations, Sean? I think so, yeah. I think that's right. It it's just it it it's 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 one of the things that, like you've just said, everybody talks about at a certain point in the sort of arc of the evening, isn't it? Often. Maybe you're in a decent pub and there's a good jukebox, and you've just you've just heard Bootylicious come out the back of Paranoid by Black Sabbath, and you'll you, you might you know you might be on your third or fourth Peroni, please drink responsibly, and, and and then it just takes one person, doesn't it, to say, you, have you ever seen what's the weirdest festival lineup you've ever seen? You know, and then off you go. Um, so and it's nice though because it. It's just like most podcastery like this. It, it's just an excuse for a conversation, isn't it? That's all it is. And, um, and that's what's great about it. It's just let, let's let our imaginations loose. But then there's all, what I'm surprised by is the amount of emotion that's in, as you well know, it's held within music and music choices. People choose things for a reason and you don't have to dig very deep sometimes to get you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to encourage any kind of Piers Morganism. It's not like I'm trying to get somebody on my show to make them deliberately cry. Mm. Uh, but there have been tears, not just mine. Um, of sadness and, or of joy? Well, uh, of, 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 of both, I think, uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, of discovery and release, he said tentatively. But, you know, that, that's it. His music's so emotional, isn't it? And so... Can, it's a bit like your sense of smell, isn't it, or or whatever. It's like directly connected 
to some part of your memory that you hadn't thought about for 40 years. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Sometimes you hear a song or you start talking about an artist and somebody says, you know, why do you like that Elton John and Kiki D song? And it all comes out. And that's what's beautiful about it. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot today, Sean, and get you to pick some some records. And I'm going to start, please, with track one. And that's the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Okay. The song that I regard as having the greatest ever intro. Um, I think I've, I've, already, I've already come up with this and I've, I've absolutely forgot what it is. So I can prompt you, Sean. I do remember. I do remember. It's come back to me. Because now then, it's this is tricky. Obviously, you can have um, some honourable mentions, Sean. If there's any, oh, oh, thank you. That's that's very helpful, actually. I mean, I will say this right at the beginning. Most of my, uh, in fact, just about all of my references will probably be antiquated, and that's not because I don't listen to new music. Like, obviously, I was steeped in new music at six, so I love a lot of new stuff. But then when it comes to, when people ask me questions like this, it's more often than not an old song um, for whatever reason. I would say, I, I, I was thinking, everybody would expect me to choose a Led Zeppelin track. And as a massive, I, I, I play the guitar primarily, but, but I do love the drums as well. I've got a drum kit. And John Bonham is never far from my thoughts. That ridiculous right foot of his. And just the way that he played was just unbelievable. So an honourable mention would have to go to Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin just for that. The way that he brings that in is just spectacular. And if you're a drummer, if you listen to it and you think, ah, ain't that hard, it fucking is, mate. Yeah. Uh, it really is. You, you're not John Bonham. I'm sorry. You can't make it sound the same way. So there's stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, you're still in the classic rock territory when you think of things like, that's a, that's a pretty good one from Eric Clapton. He's blotted his copybook many times since, but that's pretty peerless. But I'm going to choose Nutbush City Limits by Ike and Tina Turner for that, whatever the fuck it is. It's a clav or something or some kind of, I don't know what it is. And in you go. Um, as that counts off, you can imagine Tina's tush just going past at a cracking rate of knots. And uh, it's just such a brilliant, brilliant song, such an unbelievable introduction. And, and, and like an introduction to, it's like an introduction to hell as well, of course, because of Ike Turner and, and all the, uh, the horrible stuff that is, is sort of um, connected to him. But the, what I've always loved about listening to that music is, is how Tina rose above you know she su- survived and she rose above and she surpassed everything that he ever did and she was she, the ultimate survivor you know so that's all tied up in that introduction for me yeah yeah it's uh if we ever got to do uh if i ever got to do uh a question here was what is your favorite of a middle eight um uh what do you call it river deep mountain higher when she just fucking wigs out, just screams. And someone once described it like it was like someone just set her on fire. It's <laughs> like, it's fucking ridiculous, Sean, yeah. and just glorious. And it's like, yeah, Tina Turner's voice, yeah. never to be questioned, mate, never. 
It's oh. incredible. It's funny, actually. You just uh, bringing that, just uh, just remembering what that sounds like is making me feel a bit emotional. I don't know why, but it's just it is. It's just her her voice, you know, and what what she was, what she had to bloody all the shite she had to put up with at that time. But to to like I say, to have got through that and become what she became is just mind boggling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That is a that's beauty for me. Yeah, yeah. Track two, Sean, I'm going to take you back. Um, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. <laughs> oh, well, I think I've made it, I've dropped a bollock by already mentioning this. But um, so what I would say is um, that you probably, having done racked up quite a few of these, you've probably, you've probably heard mention of a band called The Beatles, you know, once or twice, you know. Um, People of a certain age. Great. Um, and the Beatles were like, this isn't my choice for this particular song, but as another honourable mention scenario, they they were like uh, oxygen in, in, our, in, in our homes, like they were in most people's homes in the 70s. So that's, that's definitely one memory that I've got, like being around at my... Just give you a quick just a quick uh, crash course on my family, big Northern family. Um, and my, my mum is one of five, I think. And, and uh, my grandma and granddad used to look after us quite a lot when mum and dad were at work. And they had a son, my uncle, Martin, uh, just two years before I was born. So my uncle Martin was like my brother, really. And um, my sons now always take the piss out of me. Like, you only had one friend when you were a kid and it was your uncle. And that's pretty accurate, actually. Um, but we used to do everything together. You know, we used to buy records together and we'd just sit in the front room listening to uh, my older uncle Paul's records. And it was always the fucking Beatles. It was the Blue Album, the Red Album. It was Beatles Love Songs. And it was that. But then, so that was already there, uh, like the sort of cosmic background radiation. But this song keeps coming up and I, I keep I play it all the time because it... To go back to what we were saying earlier, it feels like it's like a like a direct cable connection to being four years old, I think. And this, whatever must have been happening in that, whenever it came out, I must I must have been pretty happy because whenever I hear this song, it just makes me feel like I'm on ecstasy. Uh, and it's Kiki D and Elton John, "Don't Go Breaking My Heart," which I think I think came out in '76, somewhere around there. So you know, that's the red. In my memory, that's what it is. It's like I'm four years old and I haven't got a care in the world. Certainly haven't got a clue about the fact that in 30 or so years' time, I'll have a fucking mortgage um, <laughs> and everything and everything that comes with that. I'm just living the dream. And so whenever I hear that song, I'm plugged in. I'm absolutely plugged in to deep joy. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to me because my memory is fucking awful. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. My memory—it's like almost like, like clinically poor, and so with you, music as well. Well, the, the odd thing is, is that like people will always say about me, if you want to know what, what year a record came out, just ask Sean because he'll remember. So I've got an odd memory for things like that. But if you ask me to remember something that happened to me when I was nine or twelve or fifteen. Everybody else will have a forensic memory of it, and I'll be like, "Was I even fucking there? I don't was I? 
what, at my 18th? Was I there? I don't remember being there. <laughs> you know, I'm like that. But this stuff is deeper than that. Obviously, it's connect. It's right underneath all that. And so it's great. It's like, oh, yeah, I must have had some really good times, you know, running up and down Rosedale Drive, scuffing my knees, listening to Elton John and Kiki D. And that's what this represents. And where battles Rosedale Drive? Where did you grow up, Sean? Lee in Lancashire. So uh, to give it some musical map connection, you know, Lee is kind of like, it's on a road called, off a road called the A580, the East Lancs Road. And it runs from Liverpool across to Manchester. And uh, we we were sat right sort of in the middle, you know, like near places like uh, garlic bread, uh, you know, Peter Kay's Wigan, uh, Peter Kay's Bolton. Yeah. Um, Stuart McConey's Wigan. Sean Keaveney's Lee. Uh, Pete Shelley came from Lee, uh, our most favourite favorite son and famous son. Um, and what was funny about coming from Lee was that we were about, I think we were 14 miles from the Hacienda, right? So now, to me, that's like, I could do that. I could do that on the bus in 45 minutes. I yeah. could be there in the car in 28 minutes. I could walk it in four hours. Um, but did we ever go? Did we fuck? We were so unbelievably out of the any cultural loop in Lee that we created our own. We started bands. And, and so when everybody else was at the Hacienda taking MDMA and sort of meeting Arthur Baker in the toilets, we were playing songs called Lost Things and Blood Spike to 40 people drinking mild upstairs in pubs in Lee. Blood Spike. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Wonderful. It was what we, uh, we, that's a whole other podcast. Like the, the, the lyrics of John Harris, who was our singer, is definitely its own podcast series you know we had a fantastic song that was called ferry strike which was about a titular ferry strike and uh, he took he took us on a, he took us on a journey every time every time so there's more on that we'll, we'll dig into that at a different different time i'm sure so a happy place to grow up though it was really happy yeah it was really great and my boys i've got three and i've got a little girl now as well but my boys love going back to Lee because, I mean, the Londoners, you know, and uh, Lee, it's, it's a bit of a tired down on its luck place in a lot of ways, like a lot of industrial, post-industrial towns are, but it's still got a lovely heart to it. And all, I mean, my colossal family are all still there within. I mean, literally, and this is no exaggeration, if you have to walk, if you have to walk a mile to get to one of my neighbours, they're, they're like, they're outliers. You know, it's like, fucking hell. I'm not going to our it's, 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 it's nearly a mile away. It took me nearly 40 minutes to, to you know. I mean, me, I, I might as well be living in Mars down here. So it's a great place. It, it was a great place to grow up. It was it was relatively rural, funnily enough, even though I didn't think so at the time. And um, lots of fields to gamble in, uh, G-A-M-B-O-L, not G-A-M-B-L-E. And, um, you know, just all that... The funniest thing is that my eldest loves Stranger Things. And I'm like, this is my, apart from the fact that it's in America and all the kids are like cool and shit, this is my childhood. When I was 12, my life was like this. It was BMXs and yeah. CD radios and not the upside down bit. You know, and all, all that stuff. Did you uh, have a CB? I mean, we're the, we're the same age, Sean. And like, so 
whenever I have them kind of retrospective kind of things about, you know, BMXs and grifters and things like that, <laughs> CB radio was just like, there was the occasional spoiled kid at school that had one. Like, not that his dad was like, worked on a truck or anything like that, just had one in his bedroom. And I remember just thinking, you know, this guy's the business. Did you have a CB radio? No, you've, you've called me out and you've caught me out. And uh, I was just trying to make myself sound like a big, one of the big kids. <laughs> Actually, what I, meant, I misspoke because what I meant was walkie-talkies. Right. You know, you remember that you can still do it, can't you? Like, in 1980, sir, 1981, so I'm eight or nine, and you would have been as well. The, the by some distance, most exciting thing that could happen to you would be your mum coming back from the market or something with a with, with two walkie-talkies, you know, like a little packet of, oh, we got, oh you get it for Christmas. And I, I never forget how exciting it was to have Owen Martin at one end of the drive, round the corner of the, the front, wall and me at the other end where the garden is and we were talking to each other on the walkie-talkies even though we couldn't see each other yeah i was like mind blown this is the future this is star trek uh i mean what i thought of fucking mobile phones you know then i don't know but like that kind of shit was incredibly exciting but you're right i do remember there was a kid back in the late 70s whose dad had a cb radio across the road and they had the masts oh, he had like my. The- but mast. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the kitchen once and, it was, and all, all you could hear was, you fucking, it wasn't smoking the bandit, was it? That's what you wanted. That was the dream, wasn't it? But the, the, the lad that had one in my year, his dad had a banger racer car on the drive, like a <laughs> mini converted, all painted up. And when you went round there, if it was like you went round his for a party, at my ass, it was always the pink wafers and all that sort of shit. You went round it, you had always had a box of Cadbury's animals. You know you're balling yeah. if you've got a box of Cadbury's animals. Oh, mate. <laughs> and a CB. <laughs> oh, and you've just reminded me, there's a guy called Michael on Rosedale Drive who must have been 20 or something. I thought he was older than that. And he had... Just like you're describing, he had like a red Mark II Cortina or whatever it was, but he painted like uh, himself, almost like with a paintbrush, like yellow flames at the side of it, and he painted the bonnet black. And half the time it was on bricks, and he was always dicking about under the bonnet. And then like it was always a big, big affair when he, he actually drove off in it. Like every few months, it would actually be roadworthy, but. Those the days, man. They were, and I did kind of wish that his dad was my dad because not only did he have all the cool stuff, I think he was like the hardest dad in the street. He had a car sticker that said, touch of my car, I'll smash you your face. And I remember just thinking, Jesus, what a cool guy this guitar is. <laughs> touch of my car, I'll smash you your face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right, well, look, we're staying in the formative years for this one, Sean. I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Oh, okay. I've got, I've got one, but this is a specific thing. So, because what? Well, let's. I mean, again, going back to my terrible memory, you know, it's amazing how much I don't remember about school. Uh, but I think if the more, then then I sit there for a minute, and some memories percolate up. And one really strong one is, I don't know what you were like. It's good that we're the same age because we probably had the same obsessions. I, I used to love football. I, I, I haven't watched football for 30 years now, but I used to fucking love it when I was a kid. I was a Liverpool fan. And we were always playing literally 
always playing football, you know, like whenever there was time, whenever there was a wall, we'd smack a ball against it and all that. And so the big treat for me was sort of apart from the walkie-talkies, the big treat was uh, getting a new, what we would then call a casey, you know, a, a leather football. You're getting a casey. My mum says I can get a new casey at the weekend. Fucking brilliant. Right, we're coming round. So it was great. And I'll never forget, like, one particular one particular weekend we went driving off my mum and dad and me and our kid we, we must have had to go somewhere boring like my mum wanted to get some wool or something you know what I mean it was something like that and kid, the kids had to be dragged along because they were too young to be left at home and the sweet the sweetener of the deal was that I'd get a new football and so we pulled in there was like a I don't know where we were like some shop or other, and there was a basket full of yellow leather footballs. And for some reason, I've always had a serious proclivity of anything yellow. I always said to the eldest, look, you know, when you make your fucking YouTube millions, buy me a yellow Lamborghini. He's like, ah, I will, I will. Um, So yellow, bloody yellow Casey, right, I'm having that. I think it was four quid or something Never been as excited in my life. Got it home, and uh, was and, and took it to school, and 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 was dead excited. You know, right? We're playing with the yellow Casey at lunchtime, and um, it was the time. I, it, the walls come tumbling down by the style council was out. So at that, I'm guessing that that must have been eighty five. It was live so, eight time, wasn't it? So yeah. it would have been yeah, yeah, 85. It was. It was. 13 I'd have been. Stephen Tintin Duffy, Kiss Me With Your Mouth or whatever it was. That was in, I felt like that was in the charts at the same time. But I've got such a powerful memory of that year, being 13, being madly in love with Alexandria Gildart and her nearly but not quite reciprocating story of my life. Chain Reaction by Diana Ross, written by the Bee Gees. Yep. Big tune that year as well. Big tune for me, that. Have you heard that lately? Chain Reaction? Yeah. You like, should I, re, I like revisit it? Well, I, I was talking about it literally a couple of days ago, insofar as I kind of... People were talking about going to watch Diana Ross at the O2, and it's like, oh, I've never seen Diana Ross. Maybe that's a good one, a box to tick, because she's got mega amounts of great records. And I always kind of thought the Chain Reaction was a bit cheesy, and it was a bit wedding kind of, yeah. you know, DJ stuff. And... I watched that documentary on the Bee Gees a little while ago, and then obviously they talked about the stuff that Barry had written, and they went in and they played Chain Reaction, and I was like, fucking hell, this is an amazing single. It's so good. But I just kind of put it in that kind of box, and I often do that. You put them in there, them like kind of classic weddings, and I was like, come on, Eileen. Obviously, everyone loves Dexes, but you kind of think, I'm oh, not come on, Eileen. So when you stop and you listen to that again, you think, it's a fucking incredible record, that. Like, do you know what I mean? I could not agree with you more. You're hitting on some very powerful. We might. I mean, this does fit under the umbrella loosely of school anyway. Because '82, in my mind, the, you could people could fact check this if they could be asked, and it'd probably find them wrong on a lot of it. But in my mind, "Come on, Eileen" was number one October '82. I'm fucking sure it was because I was just in like what we would call then junior four. You know, it was like my last bit of like my middle kid is now the last bit of little school and just remember it coming out and knowing that it was a bit dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And really loving that. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like, something about it's a bit, oh, a bit dirty. Like, he's trying to, he's trying to, like get hold of this girl, isn't he? And it's all a bit mucky. And I love, because obviously you're 10 and you, but I mean, this is the time, Stu and I had a stra- I had a scrapbook on Lady Diana. I was, I was, <laughs> I did. I was mad on her. I, any, any photograph of her in the papers, I'd rip it out and stick it in my scrapbook. A little pervert. And so that, you know, I was an early starter in that regard. And um, so that song, I, I, I just, I've always, 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 Whenever I hear it, whenever it's at a wedding or anything like that, unashamedly strut to the front of the, you know, give it to me, give me the full serotonin. And chain reaction is the same. Yeah. It is like you say, it's a it's a perfect fucking record. Mm. And it, but that's that's um, Barry Robin and Morris, isn't it? They're just literally as far as like precision tooled fucking songwriting is concerned, nobody does it yeah. really, nobody does it better than that. So that was a cracker. But yeah, Walls Come Tumbling Down was just in my head so much around that time as well. Because I think that it was just after the miners' strike and I'm from Lee in Lancashire and some of my relatives were miners and stuff like that. And my dad has always been very socialistic, not in a kind of really didactic way, but in, in a sort of because he's such a fucking lovely human being, you know, he just doesn't like injustice and shit like that. And neither does my mum. So that was sort of, it was never a sort of political household with a large P, but it was, it was always there, like a river running underneath everything was like, you've got to be decent. And I think over the years, I definitely heard a few swear words around Thatcher and stuff from my family. So that, that ingrained in me, that kind of, I see what they stand for and I don't like it. And so then when something like that record comes out by Style Council, you're like, yeah, I like to cut your jib, mate. I, I agree with you. And that public enemy, no, 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 number 10. You know, it was all that kind of, yeah, fuckers, yeah. Like this 13-year-old, you know, that doesn't know nothing. But um turns out I was right, I think. That's the way I see it anyway, but then everybody thinks they're right. But um 
but yeah, so that song, and the reason that it's connected to the Yellow Casey, just to bring it all round, is that we're there at the side of the music uh, music um, unit, low roof, Stu, right? Low roof, here's the peril. We're kicking the football about, I'm singing walls come tumbling down. And um, I think it was Neil Dunthorne who chipped the yellow football onto the music hall roof, never saw it again. Fucking so properly gutted. Mm. And so in a way I can't, in a way I can't really hear that song anymore without feeling deeply upset about that. Sure, sure. Loss, yeah. I'm going to throw something in there. I think that song's the best thing Paul Weller's ever done. Big statement, I, I know. I don't think you could, I couldn't really argue against it because I think as far as it, 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 that sort of soul review feel that he's got going on, he's got all the horns going on, his voice is just tip-top, but the sentiment behind it and the power and, and DC Lee's on it. Oh, so good. Like, well, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? You know what I mean? It's got to be completely. in the top And I, I love the jam. You know, I like a lot of what Well has done since Style Council, but I just think that sweet spot of that track there, I just think is everything I want from a record. I think it's bang on, mate. I really do. And I think it's the best performance at Live Aid as well. You know what? I'm going to... It's embarrassing to say this, but... I not I don't even know if I've seen that. I might have to go downstairs and watch that on YouTube. Worth a look. And a very quick aside, nineteen eighty five, July the thirteenth, live aid, as we all know. And what were me and our homes doing on the day? We weren't sitting watching the telly, crying when the cars came on, calling Phil Collins for being in both places at once. We weren't doing any of that. We were playing um snooker in in the Bond Street Catholic Club all afternoon. Because my nana uh, and my, my granddad was the secretary there. My nana used to clean. And she said, um, I'm cleaning all day. If you want to just come in and play snooker all day, it'll be empty. And it was like, to us, that was like the ultimate velvet rope moment. It was like, we can play on a championship 12-foot snooker table all afternoon, drinking pop. Yes, we will do that. Not realising that this incredible event was happening and we were missing it. Kids don't get to play snooker like men do that at that age. You'd, oh, I, I would have been with you, mate. I totally <laughs> think you made the right choice there. But I would definitely suggest you go onto YouTube and watch it because it's, it, it's absolutely amazing. They were second on, I believe. I think they followed Quo. And uh, Weller looks incredible. Uh, that, it just looks brilliant. DC Lee's voice is on fire. It's, it's well worth a watch, mate. I'll put that on my list. Okay. Track four. First record you bought from a record shop, please, Sean. Okay. He's getting a lot of coverage, our arms. Um, my uncle Martin, who's only two years older than me, dot, dot, dot. The only friend I ever had, according to my children. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty unpopular for a while back there. Um, and and so what we, what we would do is, I touched on a little bit earlier, is... Our safe space was my grandma and granddad's front room. Um, and, and eventually they moved next door to my mum and dad. So we lived, we moved, and then my grandma and granddad moved next door. So we, we couldn't be closer. And so all these formative years from me being about, well, from me being eight and nine, all the way through to 16, a lot of nights, it would be me and our Martin 
in the front room at my granddad's, his mum and dad's, and my grandpa bought like the visionary that he was. We didn't have, they didn't have any money at all. They used to work at David Brown's tractors and my nanny used to, um, so, um, she used to sew at home for, for next to no money. So they didn't have much cash, but, but my granddad bought from plums in Lee, a bang and Olufsen turntable wow. and, um, stereo system. So it must have cost, in today's money, I guess it would have been like shelling out a grand or so, or fifteen hundred quid. You know what I mean? It was. It, I would, I would balk at doing that now. I'd be like, "No, oh, come on, you know that's a big spend." And they didn't really have any money, but it was the best, one of the best things they ever did. They didn't have a car or anything, you know. So, but this is what what he spent his money on, and we couldn't have been happier. We thought he's never going to let us use it, but he fucking did because he was a G. And um, and so that was, we just spent all our time mostly playing my Uncle Paul's record collection. He's a bit older again. He, he's in his early 60s now. But he was a proper 70s patchouli uh, biker. He had a motor guzzy. He had a white strap. He used to play classical. He still does play classical guitar as well. He's a very, unu- very mercurial character, my Uncle Paul. In fact, all my uncles were into music. My uncle Kenny only died in June, and he was mad into guitar, mad into the shadows, mad into Clapton and and Pink Floyd and stuff. And so it all came down, you know what I mean? And it was bloody brilliant. The more I think about it, the more those are the guys, you know, that I've got it all from, really. And But me and our, our Martin were like, because we were more or less the same age, we were discovering the pop music, the pop music of the time. And uh, he's still got it, our arms, the little blue box, little blue singles box with all the, the, the most important ones. Yeah. And so we had, we, we got, we get the buzz into Lee and we'd go to the record show, we'd go to Woolworth probably, and we'd get like the red seven inch of Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. I just called to say, I love you. Uh, you know, Sign of the Times, the Bell Stars, you know. Shut the fuck up. That would be Tesco, that. Um, all the, you know, um, but the first one that I remember was buying, and it was, we, we'd chuck in usually, but we play it on the Bang & Olufsen. It was uh, Don't You Want Me Baby by Human League. So I think that's 1981. And what I, the other thing I very, very strongly remember is we got it on. We got it on the turntable. <laughs> Down, down, did it? Oh, oh you having a laugh? Big gouge in it. They were like, "Oh, shitting hell!" So we then we then couldn't play it. We we had to wait until the next Saturday to get our bus fur to go back in and change it. Kept the receipt like a good one, and we got it. But that was it. That that track was was important. And I'm not. I'm more of a. I'm more of a hairy. I, I'm quite unreconstructed when it comes to music. I just like what I like. I'm not. I didn't always sit greatly at six. I don't think because I'm not a specialist. I'm not a completist. I'm a, I'm a generalist. I just like what I like. I love guitars. I fucking love guitars. I love bands. But then again, I I also I'm fascinated by, you know, like dance music and techno and you know, any anything that I I can't do myself 
like programming drums or programming keyboards or sequences and Daft Punk and shit like that. I just wish people would talk about that stuff more. I wish that I love, I, I could spend the rest of what days I've got left just drinking red wine and watching music documentaries. It would be fine by me. That would be my way to go out. But there's not enough on how the fuck do they make that noise? Because I, can, I, know, I, know, I know you can make the guitar sound on whole lot of love because I could do it in my fucking bedroom, right? But I have no conception of how you program a lindrum to make it sound like that or or how the keyboard on that becomes you know I, 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 I wish that they'd do a bit more nuts and bolts on that for hoary old rockers like me because I, I I interviewed Barney from New Order once and he was great And it, but he was like he's such an he's so anal isn't it he is a manual guy he's like I said how do you get how do you get a sound on Temptation or something like that he's like I just read the manual he said, I would, I would buy a new piece of kit and they wouldn't see me for three weeks. I'd just read it from start to fucking finish. <laughs> just like, hey, listen to this. And that is because I'm like ADD or I'm not, I can't read to the end of an email. Yeah. Usually, you know, weirdly, I can sort of read books, but I can't read. I'm, I'm very bad with instructions. I just switch off. Step one, I've gone. I don't. Uh, I'm exactly the same. You know what I mean? Show me a YouTube tutorial. Show me how to do it. Um, so that's lost on me. So that goes back to the stuff like "Don't You Want Me," which was I, I obviously now realise that it's very, it's pretty basic, pretty sort of electro one or one. But but especially when you're nine, you think this is the fucking future, man. You know, not realising that Kraftwerk were doing it like yeah nine years, ten years before or whatever. But that's such a great fucking record, and, oh. and even. No, it's still beautiful. Whenever I have conversations about the greatest duet ever, is that a duet? Oh, that this is brilliant. It's a good question because it's a, a call and answer. What one, yep. one person, the other takes another. You can throw the beautiful South into that as well, and it's yeah. like, <clears throat> are they are they duets? Some of them, you know, cracking singles by the beautiful South. I don't know because if they are, arguably they're being the top five for me. That's true. Just because they're not singing in unison or harmony, it's like one then the other, isn't it? Like a tag team. I know. Yeah, so great. <laughs> and the, the girls on it. I just love the story about how they just found the, the, the girls in a nightclub because they look cool and yeah. look normal and they just end up on this these number one singles. It's- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Brilliant. Yeah. Right, I'm going to ask you uh, for your next track, Sean, to tell me the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. <laughs> it's funny. Um, if anybody who knows me is, is listening to this, they'll be they'll be laughing now. When I say Clubland, Sean, like I, I should sort of tweak this question because I've spoke to so many people that are. Uh, 
you know, in rock and indie bands and producers and, and they were all kind of doing their music and not going to what... I don't want people to presume that this means shirt off glow sticks like raving this can be the local indie night this can be anything so it's yeah, not yeah. got to be you know that summer in ibiza yeah that's good that's a good broad remit i might change what i've said then because um well i could answer it in a number of different ways like there's one literal way i could take it because i used to be in a cabaret band what were they called um Cypress Jack. Okay. Terrible name. Uh, great musicians, apart from me. Leon Parr, still the greatest drummer of all time. Used to play in the band Mosque. Uh, everybody knows about that. Tell their own story. Nick uh, Nick Jones on, on keys, just this wonderful... She was She's just an incredible musician. Sean McGowan on bass and vocals. And me. And, and we were... We used to play some right rough spots in places like Earl's Town like an Irish pub in Earlstown. And I remember we played it once and my dad, mum and dad came as well to support and it got so leery. And I, I'm a very oblivious person and I'm also very, I'm actually quite an innocent person. I, I, I don't notice cues sometimes about when things are starting to go wrong. But my dad did and he could tell there, there was some leriness going on. And he, he had like uh, he had his fist balled with with uh, with a load of pound coins in it at one point because he thought it was going to kick off, and he was like, "It's going to fucking go, and I'm going to make sure nobody fucking gets on that stage." You know, he'd gone a bit Peter Grant, <laughs> you know. Um, so there's that kind of club that I remember like doing. Uh, we had to do uh, an audition in like a labour club to get on the circuit. It was so funny. It was so Phoenix Nights, you know. So that there's that version of Clubland for me, and that that's always epitomised by the, some of the songs that we used to do. Like we we used to do things like um, Beatles medleys in Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel and all this. We were a really weird cabaret band. But but like when it comes to that, that's a good way a good way in for me is indie nights, because that would what it was what it would have been for me as well. Wednesday nights at Wigan Pier, probably between like 1989. And 1991, the, right in that feckin' territory for Manchester, and we were just the most colossal Stone Roses fans, especially me and my mate Banksy. Not that one, bass player, extraordinaire of Mosque. Uh, we were colossal Stone Roses fans, and uh, and our arms actually. And um, it was always for us. It was always fool's gold. Uh, at those nights because it was the, I guess that was we didn't realise at the time it was the closest that we would get to Acid House or going to the Hacienda or doing something exotic like going to Ibiza and taking MDMA we were we wouldn't get to do that for many many years but we had a taste of it through that record it was like something going on in that record I've got no conception we don't understand um, it was the first time I'd properly heard I was a bit fucked off when it first came out because I was I I wasn't always have been such a massive fan of of Rennie's drumming. He's just my he's definitely my top top five favorite drummers I think or top ten certainly. Just love watching him, hearing him. And I was like, oh, what the this fucking drum machine on top of this? This is an absolute outrage. I'm not having this. What's happened to Rennie? Was, was he is he all right with it? I used to get really affronted on people's behalves, you know. <laughs> 
we're not using Rennie very much on this. Um, but when, you know, listening again and again, he's like, fucking hell, this is hypnotic shit. This is absolutely brilliant. And that, that, I suppose that was a bit of a gateway into that kind of world that was coming and, and Acid House and obviously people like Prodigy and Chemical Brothers and all that stuff. It was all, it was all coming up around that time, wasn't it? So, so yeah, I would say it probably would be fool's gold for me. Uh, and and then at, at exactly the same time, give it up, turn it loose from that in the jungle groove record, the James Brown record, which is just one of the best albums of all time. You know, the, 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 but both of those together, if I'm if I'm ever DJing, I'm playing both of those. Yeah. And then you, you've basically got 15 minutes to go do what you fucking want as well. You know, but you don't want to go anywhere because the records are so good. I've I've run a, a an indie alternative nightclub for nearly 30 years, Sean, and. To this day, Fool's Gold will never leave it. It's my piss record. That unloaded, sling it on. As soon as now, go and have your piss. Like, yeah. And, and I, I mentioned How Soon Is Now um, alongside Fool's Gold. For me, two of the greatest records ever made, but both records that sound like nothing else them bands done. And I think Fool's Gold don't sound like anything else the Rosie's done, in my opinion. I don't think How Soon Is Now sounds like anything else the Smith's done. And I think both of them songs just sound like they're fucking beamed from outer space. Like, do, do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. I, that's, I couldn't have put it better myself. When, when I heard both of those records, it's, there's no precedent for it. It's certainly in their canon, but even around, there's no precedent for it, is there? What I loved about listening to the Roses was the visuals perfectly, for me anyway, they just perfectly married with the sound. So it was like, that's what I, I'm not a synesthesia kind of a guy, right? I'm fucking colorblind for a start. You know, <laughs> we're just seeing colors everywhere, man. You know, I don't, I, I can't, I can't pick a paint for the wall because I haven't got a fucking clue what color it is. But then there's something about, especially John Squire's sensibility and the way that, and then you put um, John Leckie in to produce and you take these great songs and put them on a totally different level where it's utterly mind-blowing. Um, and and, and it's just, it just sounds, it does, it just sounds like, it does sound like Jackson Pollock fucking in your ears. It's absolutely, it is like a, it felt to me when I was 16, 17 anyway, like a truly psychedelic experience, you know, yeah. without, having, without having a trip because I couldn't, we couldn't find anybody with drugs. Yeah. You know, it was the most we could get was four, four cans of McEwen's export, you know, as close as we could get to, to heaven. But that music was, and, and you're right. How soon is now? I saw Johnny Mart at the electric ballroom a few days ago. He's, I've been lucky enough to call him a friend in recent years. And he played that. And it's just like you say, it's like, where the fuck did that come from? Oh, no. Ridiculous. Out of space. Good. Take you home. For track six, Sean, favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Just realised that, uh, you know, I said earlier, I don't read to the end of emails. I've, I've basically slightly misread this one. Cause I thought Have you gone country? Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Let me think about this. I will let you know, Sean, that uh, of the 366 episodes I've done of this podcast, you're probably the 340th person that's uh, done that. Why I don't put county in great big fuck off bald letters, I don't know. But yeah, don't 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 feel too stressed about that, mate. Well, I'm gonna, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. 
I'll give you a, what my first answer was going to be when I misunderstood the question anyway, and then I will lead into my county. I suppose that then that's Greater Manchester though now, isn't it? Mm. Because it used to be Lancashire. Okay. All right. I can do this. When I, when I thought it was country, I was going to say, I, I've not mentioned any Beatles yet. So I was going to hurl in, uh, she's leaving home from the Beatles. Um, because, yeah, uh, because when the first, I don't know what you were like when last March, when the, the when it first all started to go wrong and we started, you know, it was a bit like wartime, wasn't it? We were all gathering around our crystal sets waiting for Boris fucking Johnson to say something stupid. But, you know, we were in this invidious position where we had to listen to him because of the coronavirus. But I, I, I'll never forget, my reaction to extremely stressful events now seems to be uh, a reversion back to the Beatles. So he, if, I'm, if I'm feeling really upset about something or really scared about something, I end up under a duvet, either listening to the Beatles or reading about them because they're like my uncles. That's that's the nearest I can get to it. The the sort of they're a bit perhaps a bit older than a bit older than my dad and my uncles and stuff, but they're in that category. And that that is, I think that a lot of people my age who came up on that that music, that's what they represent to them. Like they're like family, and. Um, I read Revolution in the Head by Ian MacDonald because I'd never read it before. That was my lockdown read. And then just went piling back into it all. Rediscovered Sergeant Pepper. Because uh, I always used to dismiss it and be like, ah, and I still don't like being for the benefit of Mr. Fucking Kite, you know, and all that business. Um, but there's so much immense stuff on it. It's so important. But She's Leaving Home is... I just keep coming back to that piece of music as the most, I can't believe that a human being has fucking created that. Yeah. Just can't believe how perfect it is. The, the, the story, obviously it's Mike Leander. I think who does the, the strings, the fact that, I mean, the, per, the perfection of the melody, the, the interplay, because it was John, I think on the John and George, you can hear the slightly sardonic backing vocals that, representing the parents you know it's just perfect absolutely it always brings me to fucking tears it's always embarrassing when i listen to it if i'm out and about because i will cry so that was what i was gonna say I could, technically i could probably still claim that because that's merseyside and we're we're probably about eight miles away from merseyside but if we're going to go lancashire and greater manchester and the greatest record to come out of there then you really you could do anything. You could you could even do Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young because of Graham Nash. He's from fucking Salford. Interviewed him once. And the funniest thing, the best thing about the interview Graham Nash was that we ended up talking exhaustively about uh, this 20 grand laser printer that he had. That he, <laughs> that he's now in the Smithsonian Institute. Um, but that's not answering the question either. I would probably I would probably say something like, just off the top of my head, I wouldn't go... New Order or Joy Division myself, even though I absolutely adore those records, I'd probably do something like The Air That I Breathe by The Hollies. Oh, you know what I mean? Just because it's so beautiful. And so, again, the older you get, I don't think, once I get to 60, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to the end of a record ever without bursting into fucking tears. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird, isn't it? Are- 
it's weird that that happens as you go. I, I, I was driving home. <clears throat> I stayed at my sister-in-law's. We was driving home, and I, and I had a couple of drinks the night before. So I wasn't super hungover, but I was just that, no, that kind of hungover enough that for some reason, if even if EastEnders is on the telly in the background and even watching it, you, you can just get caught up in it and bull your eyes out over saying that you have, have no idea what the fuck's going on. But I was at that kind of level. And some radio station that I could get coming out of Norfolk was playing the um, the, the the charity version of uh, Lou Reed's Perfect Day that was recorded 10 years ago or whatever, probably yeah. longer. What a beautiful song anyway. The minute it got to Gabrielle singing, I'm glad I spent it with you, burst into tears. Like, knowing you think, like, why am I crying? Like, this is, pull yourself together, man. Like, it was ridiculous, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Just thinking about. Forget. Once you get to Heather Small, you're in pieces. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Oh dear. Right, Sean. Last track, and uh, and this is when uh, you can put your DJ hat back on and play tastemaker and influencer. A <laughs> song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Yeah. I. I, I mean, this is something that I'll. I sort of miss. Already, I've only been two weeks out of the game uh, at Six Music. But one of the great privileges of working there was, as I said before, I'm, I'm a general generalist. And it, it was a great thing. They, had a, they have a wonderful music team, though, who dig out, source, and supply you with endless good bands and good acts. And some better than others, you know, for your tastes or whatever. You don't like everything, but so many great things and um um but we you know we all all presenters on music stations that are worth the salt tend to be encouraged to have like a record of the week or some kind of showcase for new stuff or a, an old band that've got a new record out and we were no different but and we we had, we had some great music through that but um there have been some bands coming through recently who write up my street because they're they're very um when I'm when I'm playing the guitar myself, Stu, uh, you know, I love that sort of to speak of Johnny Marr actually, and to speak of John Squire and stuff, I love that kind of arpeggiated uh, shimmering sound that some people get. You know, the bands like the Sundays used to, to, to purvey very beautifully and I was very much hoping this conversation was gonna mention the Sundays. Really? I thought it might. I thought it might. Yeah. I mean, they were the they were the closest thing apart from Harriet Wheeler and that incredible voice to my old band. We used to, I, I guess, we used to think we sounded a bit like them, you know, but with with much but worse, and with with much with slightly more out of tune vocals. I think John would agree. Um, but we loved that sound, that style. It, there was a time when I was a kid, where in bands where it used to be termed indie indie jangle, indie pop. Uh, and of course, you know, and and, and the, you've got all that C eighty six stuff and things that I'm in love with, like the wedding present. But that's a bit more of a, of a dirty sound, obviously. But then you, you're talking about cocktail twins and people like that. All that beautiful music, beautiful bell like guitars. And there's a band, there's, there's a band called Penelope Isles who do it so beautifully. Um, but there's also a band called Bleach Lab, um, and they had a song called. Uh, I think we're still waiting for their first album to come out. But the the first thing I heard of those was called Old Ways, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's it, again, it's like 
it gives me hope because I'm old. I'm nearly 50 now and nearly all the music I've talked about is old music. I don't want to be one of those old bellends that is like, <laughs> what? Go back in gate with proper. But now it's all shite. Give me another pint of mild. X Factor, fuck off. You know, I am a bit like that. Part of me is that. But there's another part of me that, that believes in the future and in how, you know, I've got three fucking kids, you know, you've got to believe in the future. And these young, these young people that are coming up <laughs> give me hope because it's like, wow, that, sometimes I do think, well, music's, it's done in it. We've done everything, all the good stuff. We, you know, there's only eight fucking notes or 12 if you include all the dark ones or whatever. Surely we've, we've got the, the juice out of it now and then somebody will come along and do something that blows you, your doors off and you would never have thought they could do and that's a track you i want everybody to to go and listen to bleach lab old ways and whatever else they come out with next because it's just that shimmering chiming melodic um the, her, her voice is just it's so it's dreamlike it, it, it's what you need at times like this when the 70 mile queues for the petrol station and you've got idiots in charge of the fucking the whole shebang you know you, you need to know that there are people out there who might save the world <laughs> young people who might save the world for us and so bleach lab i i'd say get on the end of that absolutely i, I couldn't agree with you more um it's oh, it's beautiful and it was not to take anything away from that band but i heard it on six as well and i was like oh my god this really echoes of of harriet wheeler and yeah. and i don't know what that band's doing they've just gone to grand and no one's heard of them for yeah. however many years and i'm just glad there's another band making music yeah. that can interest me the way that that band interests me so yeah bleach lab all over that sean um sean we put together a, a little spotify playlist to accompany the podcast as well so people can go and check out all of the songs that we've had a natter about today mate um and so moving forwards into the, the latter half of a year that's hopefully going to finish up a little bit more connected and a little bit more joyous than maybe the last, uh, you know, the last year or so has been. With that in mind, what are you looking forward to from the rest of this year personally and what's going to be happening professionally? Mm. Oh, thank you for asking. I, I, I have it in my... I just hope... Because I am... I've, I've, I'm a bit um, neurologically diverse. Me, I think that's a good way of describing it. Um, there's a lot of there are a lot of good things about my brain, but there are a lot of things that I, if I had a chance to change, I would. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to think that in an ideal world, I'd be stepping off the the freight train of daily radio for a little while, and um, you know, like. Is I'm, I keep telling you, I'm all metaphor. Like Glastonbury has to have a fallow year, so to to let the the fields re- regrow and to let the nutrients back into the soil and all that. I see. I'm kind of hoping that that's what's going to happen to me now. I've been broadcasting for 20 years, ridiculous but true. And I, I was saying this to my reflection in the mirror just yesterday. <laughs> You know, you you could have at least you could go to your eighty, you know, if you're lucky. You know, it could be like David Jacobs. You could have another thirty years in this game if you play your cards right. If you're lucky, touch wood. So I'm like, okay. So to answer your question, I'd love to think that I might have a tiny bit more time to spend with my family and to sit staring at walls, thinking of stuff, because that's how I work best. 
Um, I'm going to keep my lineup podcast going from strength to strength. I've got another one coming out before Christmas. Oh, he's got two in podcasts. What a prick. Um, Where is this prick? Um, called Sean Keaveney's Creative Cul-de-Sac, which is basically me locked in a room going through 20 years worth of my stupid ideas, but then doing it with a guest and then doing it with the listeners. You know, you've got notebooks and iPhone notes full of ideas, haven't you? And stuff that you just write down and then you forget about. That's what it's about. It's about going into those and talking about them. And maybe, you know, I've written a sketch in 2002. I might just reenact it, you know, just just so to release it from the notebooks. It's like a, so that's, I'm really excited about that. That's a great idea for a podcast show. It is. You, maybe you could come on that. If you, if you, uh, you bring a few notebooks, we could return the favour and I could, uh, we could pod each other. Glorious. I'd love that, mate. I'd love that. And then the other thing is I'm just looking forward to Christmas and hoping that I don't get COVID again like I did last fucking Christmas. And so I was robbed of Christmas 2020, as so many people were. So I'm praying that this Christmas, like you just said, that everything is a little bit more like it should be. And then I can play Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time, which is just about my favourite Christmas song. What a lovely place to finish. Sean, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. It was really a great pleasure to do that. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Ah, oh, there you go. Sean Keaveney. What a great chat. Oh, it was it was quite weird speaking to, you know, I'm gonna say it, Radio Royalty, um, and somebody that I've listened to, you know, daily for for, for many years now. Um feel felt really weird to sit and and, and be asking Sean questions, but uh, it was it was lovely. Really, really enjoyed that episode, and it's always really nice when when guests are kind of in and around the same age because you you, you kind of your reference points are, are never too far from each other. So uh, that made it a, a really easy natter to have, and uh, and I hope you had you know as much joy listening as I did recording. Um, I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, go check out the back catalogue. 360 odd episodes now to get your your teeth stuck into. Um, and yeah, there's a Patreon as well where there's a few hundred episodes over there that have never been released to the uh, general public. So go give that a little whirl. Um, and you can find out about all of this stuff at your one stop shop www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other. Love you lots. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu Whiffin. Eat it, monkey.